from our studios in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We have some great guests with us today. In the studio is Mr. John Principe, local tattoo artist and former police officer. We have with us Adam Kavalowskis, who is an internet marketing specialist. He talks every week about how to rank number one on Google. He develops websites and he tells people overall how to improve their business. And we have health and wellness expert from Most Performance, Dave Mariani, who I'm hoping is going to be a regular on our show. So, this is Get Real with Ralph, where we tackle the issues of the day in the world, in the country, and locally in the Midwest and Southeast in Wisconsin. We have some great topics of conversation today that we're going to dive into. So, let's get real. All right, first thing that I wanted to jump into, I wanted to get the serious stuff out of the way first, because I, because I like to have fun. But this is a serious subject, and the more I find out about it, the more crushing you know, I find it to be that we have to worry about human trafficking in the United States of America, of all places. You know, This is a country where I think we pride ourselves on having the perfect balance of freedom and law and order. And I think that this is a problem that's run amok that really seems to go unaddressed on a, on a bigger scale. And it is come to my attention in the last couple of years, and now I'm paying attention more and more to the news, that southeastern Wisconsin has become kind of a hub for human trafficking. And I know that, John, you had some experience when uh, you were in law enforcement, and then you had some experience as a tattoo artist, both with that subject. So yeah. I wanted you to kind of weigh in on that at first and tell us what what you know and, and what you've seen in, in that arena over the past couple of years. Uh, back in like 2012, I was on a task force for human trafficking through city racing police department and it you know i had no idea what i was getting into so i was kind of voluntold i was going on the, the team sure and i was happy that i was put on it um but it's everywhere it's so predominant and it kind of touches into you know every aspect of criminality that you don't realize just how deep in it goes i was always under the impression that most of the people out there that are prostituting are there by free will, mm -hmm. not true. I didn't realize just how many are coerced and forced into it from a very young age. What percentage would you say? It, it, the of people involved in prostitution are forced into it. Well over 70%. Wow. Um, but what's interesting is how it breaks down of generational. Mm -hmm. You know, and these kids are brought up into it and they're forced into it at a young age. And these parents are kind of putting their kids because they did it and so and so and so forth. And it becomes a, a generational aspect. Of so it's just a rite of passage for some of these parents? It's just a way of life. That's just how it is. It's just how you hustle? It's just how you hustle. And a lot of times, you know, drugs are obviously involved and, you know, forced labor is involved and a lot of different ways. And the southeastern Wisconsin aspect of it, from what we I've learned, and from what the operations we did, it is not. And there, there's kids that are pulled out of here that are sent all over the country before they even realize what hit them. You know, there's like a track from you know 
culture we've seen to Milwaukee, to Chicago, down to Memphis and Atlanta, back up to Green Bay, to Madison, and they kind of loop it. St. Louis. So is this a network that is tied in with specific gangs, with organized crime? Are there, are there certain organizations that are bigger culprits in the human trafficking uh, crime industry than, than uh, others? You know, it, it depends on the study you look at. Some of them say yes, some of them say no. Some of them think that it's so loosely organized that there's just so many people out there involved in it that there is no hierarchy. And some say, no, this gang's running that, this gang's running that. There are obviously gangs and organized crime that are running aspects of it. But for a lot of it, it is independence. And it is people that have come up, learned from somebody else how to do it, and then they start their own you know, group that they're trying, that they got these own girls. And they're pulling them off of everywhere. And it isn't, you know, your home. And it isn't every aspect. It isn't Kenosha. It isn't racing in Milwaukee. And it, it touches from elementary school to high schoolers to college girls to all the way through. And they're catching them. They're pulling them off the internet. They're pulling them off, you know, Instagram and Facebook. And they're coercing these girls. They think they're getting one thing. And next thing you know, they're stopped. So... These girls are vulnerable from sure. the age that they're being socialized, and and you're yeah. are you saying is this primarily an economic <laughs> situation where where primarily the victims of human trafficking are people that are growing up in in, in lower income families, or is this touching now? Is this to the point where you're middle class, you're upper middle class, you've got a nice home, you've got a nice career, it's you're, thinking, you're thinking this can't happen yeah. to my child, right. and, and it is happening. It is because. What they're doing is, uh, like some of the aspects of how they target people is if you have a child that wants to be a rock star or wants to be a model and they're on Instagram and they're performing, yeah. someone will contact them and say, I'm a record producer, I'm a model agent, I'm a this, I'm a that, and they start grooming them for weeks. Then all of a sudden they say, I'm in your area. I'm here now. I'm at hotel such and such in Milwaukee doing auditions. Come on by. Bring a friend. So now they come out, they bring a friend, they get dropped off, they get up Uber, they however they get there, and they're grabbed. And just and that's it. Gone. Gone. Now they're on the track, and now they're going city to city for a few weeks. They have no phone, they have no way to contact, they have no of, of anything. So they have no idea where they are. They're being forced into sexual slavery, they're being forced drugs, they're half stoned and high all the time, they don't know what's going on. Then all of a sudden they're given a bus ticket and they're sent home. Really? They get, yeah. They send them back home. Sure. They're done with them. Now they're done with them. Now, now they're home. Now it's now. What do you do? Where were you? I don't know. Who are you with? I don't know. <laughs> what did they say to you? I don't know. So they keep them in a altered state sure. for a set period of time. They sure. use them as much as they can sure. and send them back for what to avoid prosecution of being to avoid being caught with the evidence in hand. Uh, for that, um, bring in new girls. Get them done. Get more going. If it's not working out, if it's something that they enjoy, well, then they keep them around. But if it's something that they get into lifestyle, then they keep around. If not, get rid of them, get new ones. You know, if the heat becomes too much, if all of a sudden there's too much, too many, you know, people are getting wise to it. You know, the internet is a very wonderful and scary place. It, it, is, it is all at the same time. And we, you know, we, we, we were sure. talking last week and we're going to talk later on today about kids that are becoming internet sensations. Yeah, that's so you have true. this you have this mad gold rush for fame and glory and fortune and or maybe just earning an income and, sure. and, and putting your passion out there. Sure. And on the flip side you have these predators. How do you balance that? 
being, you know, you got to be so observant and so vigilant on what your kids are doing mm -hmm. on the web these days. And you got to be on every aspect of it. And they always say these apps, you know, watch these apps. There's new apps coming out every day that these kids are getting that, you know, hide from your parents or this or that. Or, you know, I mean, my kids are eight and six and my eight-year-old wants a cell phone. I said, for what? You know what I mean? I, you don't need it. You know, he's out, he's playing video games and, you know, he's chatting with his friends. I'm listening. Well, we, we've got a mutual awesome. friend on, on, on Kenosha Police Department, and he's got a daughter in high school now. Sure. And uh, she, she wrestled with my sons earlier on, and she has a flip phone. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I talked to, 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 to Paul about this, and he said, "There's my daughter wants to see something on the internet. She can come home, look up in the computer, and look at her. Yep. Not, not doing it. Yeah. And she's she's sixty. She, yep. she hates his guts for it right now. I think she will. I know she will thank him for it when, when she's an adult. Because it's everywhere. It's and you know the thing with human trafficking right now is human trafficking is the newest war on drugs. In the eighties, that was a dare program. Everybody was drugs, drugs, drugs. We got to fight drugs. The reality of it is, is." 97% of all drug transactions go unarrested. So sure. they're getting through, right? Right. Human trafficking is the new Same thing. hot button. Yeah. Everybody's about it right now. It went from dare and drug fight, fighting the war on drugs to fighting terrorism. Now we're fighting human trafficking. Sure. In five years from now, we're going to be fighting something else. But the problem with human trafficking is still going to be there. No so one, it's just, now, just, right now, just so we've never really fixed the drug no. problem. Yeah. We've just moved on to a new, new hot social issues today. This, is, this is this is the new hot button right now. What, what, what do you think is wrong? Seriously, what's wrong with this country? Why aren't we able to actually address an issue and solve it? What do you think, Adam? It comes on the parenting. I think uh, Joe said a, a few things that are, I mean, spot on. So uh, you, you have it starts with your parents. Starts with taking care of your kids, making sure that you're monitoring what they have and what they're seeing, sure. and then educating them. You know, maybe not blocking everything, but saying, hey, don't waste your time doing this. This is not... This, this is a war that I've fought personally. I have six kids. Uh, I have two now adult teens. And that's kind of an oxymoron, as you know, if you have any adult teens. But one of them was really getting into some shit that I knew was going down a bad road. And... It, we're not on the same page, all right? I have, my, my oldest three kids are from a previous marriage, and yeah, th th their mom has more of a laissez-faire attitude, and when I brought this up, I, you know, I almost got the response, like, I don't understand why this is such a big deal, and I was, I was, I was stunned sure. that it wasn't taken more seriously on that end, and, and I had to try and figure out how to approach it. Now you have two different parenting styles, and you have a kid you only have some of the time. It's how do you approach a child in an educational fashion in a... a Hey, listen, you need to understand these things because I didn't have that ability to be like, I'm going to take everything away from you. And, mm -hmm. and so that, but I, you know, I just remember that struggle myself. And to his credit, my son just somehow evolved past it. It was almost like a phase he was going through and, you know, he's, you know, performing very well in college and everything right now, but it was definitely a very scary time mm -hmm. where, uh, he was supposedly talking to an adult woman that, uh, I, you know, I, I turned it into the local police and the detective said, hey, you, you're probably talking to some fat guy sitting in a corner somewhere around the world pretending to be a girl. Yeah. You don't even, sure. or worse yet, sure. you know, 60 miles away and, and he's trying to meet you. You have no idea. This, this is not just about your daughters. This can be about your sons, too. Mm -hmm. Is That's a real thing. Oh, yeah. Um, it's scary enough. The younger children that are trafficked are boys. 
And then as they get into their teens, it switches to girls and then to the women, you know, it, it stays more feminine. But the actual victims, for the younger you go, it's more males. You don't have any kids yet. No. You had a very strict upbringing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you allowed on, well, was social media a thing yet when you were a kid? No, not really. Okay. Um, and when it did become a thing, it was limited. You had to have a um, college domain or something like that. Gotcha. So not anybody could contact Facebook, anybody. Yeah. Yep. So there was some level of safety. There. It was the beginning of Facebook, the middle of the middle to the end of MySpace. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, how you're how you're educating your, your children, how they're being educated at school for situations like this. Because one of the things I found that was interesting was that it's not just a a, a male dominant figure that's going to come and snatch these girls. Sometimes it's like an elderly lady, and they'll be out at you know like a. Uh, a grocery store late at night, and they'll approach these younger, mm -hmm. um, these younger kids, and, and that and that's that's scary. So that that's where you have to start, you know, teaching your kids to um, try to limit being alone at late at night, be with you know people that you trust, um, and then yeah, the, it the, it really does come down to education, upbringing, how kids are handling themselves when they're away from the home. I got a, I got a question for John. I think I called yeah. him Joe earlier. <clears throat> John, uh, with the human trafficking going on, and I'm pretty naive to this. I mean, this sure. is, talk about get real. This is, this is real. real. Yeah. Um, is is the main percentage of the human trafficking for prostitution? Yeah. Or is it for any other, like, putting them into, like, a work against their will or? There, there is, there is uh, labor, okay. uh, labor trafficking. Um, In this country even? Mm -hmm. wow. Sure. Yeah, of course, they do it. Um, from foreign foreign countries come over you know come on over a lot of times you'll see it um forced labor and forced sexual labor as far as like the massage parlors mm. and you'll see a lot of the asian massage parlors why are there so there were none in kenosha when i was growing up now they're everywhere what changed in the law that they allowed that to happen here nothing <laughs> what do you mean change nothing changed in the law well um, it was the, i don't think they were allowed to operate i think it was Basically, they just popped up. Why isn't yeah. why aren't zoning laws being used? Why aren't ordinances being Problem used to say that parlors. unless you're a licensed massage therapist and you can prove that everybody in there is one, you can't operate. You have to have one licensed massage therapist per uh, facility, if I'm if I believe I'm correct. So basically, if you have one person on staff, you can run other massage people doing massages. But the issue is this, is when they bring in the um, immigrants, um, especially from Asia, yeah. they tell them, come on over, get education, uh, we'll put you to be a nanny, it'll be something like that. And they're in the massage parlors. And they're running them five, six, seven girls at a time, and they're, you know, offering happy endings for money. And then once the police or law enforcement get wind of it, that same group picks them up and puts them in a different massage parlor and puts new girls in. Mm. And they say, well, where are these girls? I don't know, they're gone. And you start over and it's the same group over and over and over. I was giving a talk actually at a church mm -hmm. um, six, seven months ago, eight months ago, and I brought up the website. And I said, here's the website. And you can pretty much see the menu for sexual favors, what they do, mm -hmm. and how much it is, right there on the web. And he said, well, where are these places? I said, well, that one's down on Sheridan Road. That one's on 80th Street. That one is here. And everyone looked at me like, well, how can that be? Huh. You know, because they're everywhere. I, I'm I'm big on law and order. I'm also a big libertarian. Yeah. From that standpoint, and I'm not advocating for or against. I really don't know. But you know, I look at what's going on in Nevada, at least outside of Vegas. Right. Do you think that the legalization and the legitimization of adults providing uh, 
adult services would lower the demand and therefore lower the human trafficking industry. It's the same argument of if you legalize drugs, is it going to lower the demand? I don't know. Yeah, and I... I don't know. I don't, um, I don't know the real answer I either. don't know the real answer. I don't know the right answer. Does, I would say... Does it make it easier to enforce no, the... the uh, you know, it's... If you legalize it and say, okay, here are the parameters of it, there's still going to be people out there that are so warped in their head that are pedophiles. There's still going to be people out there that are going to want weird shit that yeah. is not offered. You know, yeah. and there's still going to be a demand for that, and that's where your black market's still. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, how many times have you know you heard about people that are people that we would know and seem like sure. normal contributing members to society, and they're getting caught with I mean, with child out, pornography on their computers or dozens, if not over a hundred kids locally when I was on the team, just from the areas that you just think you know what is going on and these kids are either in bad situations or they're being sexually abused or we're doing sting operations that we're bringing people to the former mayor Racine got popped I remember okay yeah. uh, for trying to pick up an underage girl yeah while and he was he mayor got popped again yeah for trying to buy her underwear that never existed <laughs> you know the girl never existed so I mean it's it goes on all levels you see you see the problems in the Catholic you know church yeah you see problems in government we see problems in uh, professional everywhere. At, look at uh, Congress and Senate. They have a $17 million slush fund for uh, paying off, paying off people of sex, sexual abuse. Yeah. You v know? Victims or people that whistleblowers or people that have affairs or something. That is supposed to be setting laws to protect people are just as bad as everybody else. And we all know that. But I mean, you know, there, there's this cultural movement to emasculate the American male. And I see that going on on one track. And then I see on this track the evil that's being perpetrated. Yeah. And I think to myself, the reason masculinity itself is being threatened is because there are, there are a few bad players, isn't a bad enough way of, mm -hmm. of wording it. There are a few truly evil people in this world. Yeah. And they use masculinity as an excuse yeah. for being truly evil. And then that gives true masculinity, which is protecting our children, protecting mm -hmm. our women. Uh, it, it gives true masculinity a, a, a bad name. It, and yeah, do and you, you see that you see that as well? Well, when the whole Nietzsche movement started, yeah. I was like, well, what is all this? You know, and I actually asked my wife, I said, what, what is going on? Like, is this something that is actually more predominant than I thought? Just, she looked at me like I was an idiot. She's like, yeah. Yeah, there's such harassment everywhere. It's going on all the time. Really? Yeah. You know, like I guess I never noticed. I never. I, 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 I think I fired a guy from my shop for such harassment. I mean, and I don't tolerate it. And I, you know, I, I don't deal with that. But I think I think about the off-color jokes and the comments that I used to hear when mm -hmm. I was younger that sure. was acceptable in society mm -hmm. that isn't acceptable <laughs> now. Yeah. Uh, things that might have even come out of my own mouth when I was in my twenties sure. that would never come out of my mouth now because I'm I'm aware and. Having having kids makes you aware. Yeah. Having daughters makes you aware. Yeah. And having society evolve and, and bring this awareness makes you more aware. But I think, and I think that that's all good stuff. And I think also on the same flip side to that, like we do with pretty much everything else, is a lot of things get taken to an extreme. 
Sure. Now when you're talking about a 70-year-old song that's, baby, it's called Outside and People Are Getting Insulted. Yeah. You know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer now is, uh, is a bad song. Frosty's next. Frosty. Yeah. All that, you're like, are you serious? Like, it gets to a point where now it, you're missing the point. Yeah. And you're so extreme that people are not listening anymore. And the problem now gets... And, and, and I truly believe that. I truly believe that the over-sensationalism of minor offenses is hurting the cause of bringing actual eyes and ears and attention to the real problems. Right. You know, I think that real victims of sexual abuse, real victims of real sexual harassment, I don't just mean an off-color joke, no, yeah, yeah. real victims of rape are being done an incredible disservice by this movement crying, and I do it's think crying wolf. It's crying wolf. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that fable's been around since our grandparents, you know, yeah. for, for generations. It's a book that got read to us, and... Yeah, we're not we're not heeding that warning. Yeah, and it, I th I think it hurts because we have real girls being hurt every single day. Yeah, and how do we focus the attention on that? Because the minute you accuse a Duke lacrosse player or a judicial yeah. nominee or uh, a you know a, a student athlete, this whole Title IX thing where they're kicking boys out of college because the next morning the girl changed her mind and uh, decided yeah. that it wasn't consensual and there was yeah. no hearing, no nothing. Every person who becomes a victim of the overreach is now tone deaf to real crimes. It, yeah, it's yeah. being and vigilant and then there's being hypervigilant. And hypervigilant is the problem that we're having. And yeah, we you're did, a thought criminal. We did it with terrorism. If yeah. you remember, anybody with any skin tone that was darker, like me or darker, yeah. in the airport, uh, it was guaranteed. Well, I got to come in next oh, yeah. 15 minutes early because I know I'm getting pulled out of line. You know, which is fine. Hey, yeah, man, you know, cool my my father-in-law got treated that way a couple of times. You know, and, yeah. and, and you know us. You know, the funny thing is, weird episode where all three of us are from <laughs> Italian families. Yeah. Um, you know, Italians and Arabs don't look that different from one another. No, and, and, uh, I mean, and so now it's like, wait a minute. So you're singling out my father-in-law why? Because his skin's dark yep. and he's got a pointy nose Absolutely. and it, yep. it's it's and he's got a beard. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, as long as the plane doesn't go down, I'm cool with it. I'll take the extra time, do your thing, we're saving lives. But it becomes hypervision where every aspect of everything, you know, see, see something, say something, and get that. Yeah. But it, there comes a point where you're like, okay, let's not get nuts. You know, and the same thing with the the these things with the songs and all that. Yeah. We don't, we have a problem with a seven-year-old song, but you're telling me a whole 1990s gangster rap thing is cool? Absolutely. And, and oh, that's, that's, what, know, that's yeah. what kills me about that is pop culture sensationalizes this. Yeah. But when it's done that way, it's it's art. But now we're looking at art from 40 years ago and saying that... You know, I was thinking about this. One of my favorite movies, and it's Christmas time, It's a Wonderful Life, mm -hmm. right? Jimmy Stewart would be barbecued in this day and age for the girl running in the bushes and him making fun of the situation you know while she's hiding naked in the bushes could you imagine yeah. replace jimmy stewart with fill the blank of a local celebrity today matt lauer sure yeah he has real problems but fill in the blank with somebody today who does that yeah. and it, it was supposed to be a comedy bit yeah. But is that movie not? You know, I keep thinking, is it, It's a Wonderful Life sure. on the Chopping Block? Give it, give it 10 minutes. Is A Christmas Story on the hey, Chopping Block. If Frosty was on the Chopping Block, I think anything's going to yeah, be. Yeah, everything's fair game. Yeah. Now I heard right this morning they want to change Santa Claus to a woman. Because it's just, uh, Santa Claus should be non-binary, gender, non-gender, whatever. Like, it, you know, on. I... If I went out there and said I identified as a six foot seven black man and that's what I want to be, people would tell me that I had a mental illness. 
The problem right. is, is fifty percent of the people would say, "Okay, that's what you are." That's how crazy it's gone. Yeah, an elephant that looks at her, a mouse looks in the mirror and thinks she's an elephant, and suddenly we have to placate that and say, "Yes, you're an elephant. Let's move out of your right. way." And again, here we go back to people that are actually being bullied, people that are actually being mistreated, are being overlooked because you're desensitizing people to the issue. Right. Uh, I'm back. I want to direct this back to the human trafficking because it's such sure. a serious issue, and, and we'll get to the cultural cultural issues. It's been in the news again. Uh, this Centoya Brown, do you know who she is? Yeah. The, uh, she was 16 years old. She was apparently an endangered runaway slash a human trafficking victim. While she was going through all that, she got picked up by a John, uh, a 40-some-year-old real estate agent who decided that it was going to be cool to, to pick up a 16-year-old prostitute, and she killed him. And she was 16 at the time. She got sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. Now, there was a recent Supreme Court ruling a couple years later that said that you can't give a juvenile life without possibility of parole, period, end of story. And oh, we're getting real. You, you, let's get real. Go ahead. No, you should answer, answer that. Yeah, we'll have fun. Yeah. Put them on. Put them no, on that's my alarm for uh, going to get my kids eventually. Now, I've, I've looked at both sides, and, and, and I'm going to play this little, this little clip uh, from clarifying... Uh, my thoughts on hard work, hustle, and oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. That's Gary V. Hey, Gary, looking at your video is actually mean to look at something uh, a little more Gary. serious. Yeah, we should take Gary. Uh, it's about uh, the sentencing children, Centoya's story. This was a video that was that was put out by uh, Independent Lens. It's a short documentary, and so uh, we're going to just play a couple of clips of it for the uh, audience here, and then we'll get back and discuss it. So we showed the uh, we showed the audience a snippet of it. Of course, you guys had a chance to watch some of this beforehand because I told you that we were we were going to do this. And this is the side that Independent Lens took on it. Of course, there's another side to the story too. You know, there's a Newsweek magazine article that explains some of the facts. And, and you you and I have brought this up before the session mm -hmm. today that the guy she shot was sleeping while he shot. Yeah. That's they found out in the autopsy. That's that's that was the prosecutor's uh, belief and law enforcement belief is that he was sleeping when she shot him. So the okay. threat of imminent danger is eliminated. And she stole his money. Stole his money and left. And stole so his money and left. She and got premeditated murder. So she got premeditated. And my take on this, after looking at both sides, is a the girl is a victim of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Okay. B. She's also a murderer, all right? The, the, those two, one bad behavior doesn't justify the other bad behavior. Three, the guy who picked her up is a pedophile who right. committed a felony right before he died. Right. And it is not her role in life or station in life to be his judge, jury, and executioner. I understand right. that. But if you die as a result of your felony while committing that felony... Even though maybe you didn't necessarily deserve the death penalty for that offense we got tried, isn't it your own fault that you're dead? Yeah, the argument was that, I guess she said something on the lines of she didn't tell him his age, but I don't know what she looked like if you could tell if she was 16. He picked up a hooker that's not legal. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, and yeah, she killed him she when killed he was sleeping. It's the same argument that, uh, if you remember the Jody Aries argument, yep. where she killed her boyfriend and he was in the shower and she played mm. self-defense, oh, yeah. yep. and she stabbed him like 35 times, she wasn't in immediate danger. So you can't claim self-defense. No, but is there some PTSD or stress? I, and that's oh, the, sure, is, yeah. I, and I think that I think we need to get real with this here, yeah. that we need to have a mechanism in the criminal justice system to say, her, yes, I shot him, but she did say that, mm. and it was because I felt he was an imminent threat. That part wasn't true. What about when you're just consistently and constantly the victim of abuse, and you see an opportunity to break okay. that cycle? Because yeah. that's really what it was. And that's, and that's she, all the time. she wouldn't dare shoot him when he wasn't sleeping no. because she was scared of him. Right. And so, I do believe that that there was a certain level of fear involved there. And then she shot him, and she's like, "Well, I'm I'm screwed anyway. I just shot this guy. I might as well take this money, take the money, and run." I don't see this as a first degree premeditated murder. I do see it as a, a as a victim taking the law into their own hands, which while illegal is understandable. And I see somebody who probably should have got a couple of years of some very intensive therapy, maybe a little bit of punishment, yeah, and reevaluate. I don't know. And I don't know. I mean, because you have the inconsistency of sentencing, too. Because what she did and what she got sentenced for in other courts could have been completely different. Absolutely. So it, there's a, it's a whole other Pandora's box that you're opening of. What do you do with that? Does socioeconomic status or race play a role? Absolutely. I, I, I believe so, too. I believe that we are now at a point in this country where socioeconomic status plays a heavier role than race. Absolutely. However, I think that, that minorities are disproportionately affected uh, in, in the area of poverty. Because of the socioeconomic. Because they're poor. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, and of course, if I keep getting overlooked and I'm a short guy, I'm going to think it's because I'm short after a while. It, and I think that's it. But really, what it is is. Is society looks at this guy has a job and he's you know a member of the community and he has value and, and to them this girl doesn't and that's a terrible terrible thing. It, well, it's true, but the thing is this though: if you look at people with you know substantial amounts of financing and you look at celebrities and you look at people in government, you look at senators, whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Are they that disproportionate that they are just better people that are not committing these crimes? No, they got money. Or do they have better attorneys? Yeah. O.J. Simpson got away with murder and because dollars he had the money. Yeah, he had a million dollars debt, right? Yeah. Okay, so what's the so the point is is that you look at all these guys and people in general, they're getting away with things, they're getting less sentences because of the amount of money they have. I know of a billionaire who was raping his stepdaughter and got nothing out of it because he wrote the girl a blank check. Here you go. How much? Write it zeros. I don't care. He got away with it. It's disgusting. Okay, Pika, and that was it. That was the end of the case. That's the world we're into. Well, you have this whole Epstein phenomenon where this guy yeah, is flying. Silent, you know, yeah, this there guy is flying America's influential people yeah. to Presidents. foreign countries where they basically get their pick as if they're at a. Uh, yep. You know, it, it's I, I can't I can't even. Yep. And no one's gonna touch it because there's too many names on that list of people in power. They can do anything with. Uh, on that subject, you are providing a service to victims of human trafficking in, yeah. your, in your business. Right. And I want to talk about that mm -hmm. uh, because even though we don't really necessarily plug businesses, I, I plug people that are doing outstanding things. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's an outstanding thing that you're doing. And so I'd like you to tell us a little bit about what we, it is uh, that you're doing for sex trafficking with, victims. With sex trafficking victims, oftentimes they are branded by their traffickers with tattoos, uh, like 
I hate to use this example, but like cattle. Okay, they're they're like a name or a logo or a number or something that's put on. Yeah, they're them. treated like property. They're treated like property. So when they get out of the industry, they have this forever scar on them that is showing them. You know, every day they get up and there it is. It reminds them of what they're doing, what they did, so and what they went through. So we offer a service of free cover-ups for any victims even trafficking. So they can come in. We will cover up their tattoo with whatever they want. Uh, no charge, no publicity, no photos, no nothing. They come in, they do it at their schedule, it gets done and they leave, and that's it. And that's how we do that. So and now we actually hook up with a guy up in um, Green Bay who's a doctor who is offering free laser removal, which is pretty cool. Is that something you do anonymously then? Or do they have to give you information? They or? thought a waiver, okay. uh, you know, everyone else would, but if you put their waiver down next to yours, mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what you had done and what they had done. Oh, okay. So it is anonymous in a sense. Okay. So, but like I said, there's no publicity behind it or no photos of, hey, before and after. We don't advertise any of it. So and I don't I think, even give the names of, or like the, the numbers we do. Of course. I think at this point, especially for me, again, getting real here, um, I think just the, the fact of the awareness of it's going on here, it's going on in our backyard, it's, it's going on in our front. It, it's something I'm going to keep talking about here because it's, people need to be aware. Some good things have happened over the last year. Uh, internet, um, classified site, Backpage got shut down, and yep. the operators were hauled off in handcuffs. Yep. They're facing very big charges. They played this whole game of we're just providing a platform and we can't help what content yep. people put on it. Mm -hmm. And it's a line of bullshit. Craigslist shut down their personal services. Craigslist shut theirs down. You know, there was a you know there was a time a few years back when you could just find that type of disgustingness everywhere and anywhere. And it's getting, I, I see, yeah. I, I see that's getting shut down, but I did some research and there are new sites that have popped up. Oh, they're every day. Oh, it's always. Up. And yeah. what I wonder is why isn't there an internet task force that goes and just blocks those IP addresses from? Because there's, there is, but they're so overworked. Yeah, you're talking hundreds of thousands of sites popping up every day across the world. Right, but the ones, I, I think if you just go and Google something and something shows up in Google results, those are very limited, it's, and if they would attack those first and shut them down, then you're... It's the same argument with the drug dealers. You take one drug dealer off the street and two more pop in. Oh, yeah, I understand that. It's the dark web. But, it, but they, Google is... Yeah, and if people know how to manipulate and use the dark web, they're going to find what they want. Right. But your average, everyday person who's Googling shit, right. and then they and, and I think people go down the rabbit hole sometimes. Sure. Right? Yeah. And if you can at least get that low-hanging fruit and pick it off on a daily basis, which they should be able to do, I don't understand why they don't. I think then it goes into the um, privacy argument. I'm about to blow up. It goes into the privacy aspect of how much of your rights you want to give away, of how much are you searching, and how much are you now? Now my internet searches are automatically being scanned. I'm not talking oh, about your search. Right. No, I'm not talking about your search. I'm not talking about your searches. I'm talking about you look up the keywords you know people most often use. Oh, and see the website and, pop up. and block those IP addresses. Every yeah. day, so that because it takes Google, there's an algorithm. You're, you're sure. a Google expert, and so this is a nice segue that I didn't even mean to do. Oh, but you're an expert in search engine optimization and, and ranking on Google and all of that, and you have to try hard to rank on Google. Oh, yeah. You have to know what you're doing. Your content has to be good. And although there's sites popping up everywhere, the ones that are talented enough to rank on Google are probably few and far between. And so, why wouldn't the government take the ones that are ranking on Google and just shut those? 
shut those addresses down, block those IP signals, and say, this is human trafficking, this is prostitution, boom, it's shut down. When you hit it, so sorry, your signal's been interse intercepted by the FBI. That might people go, oh shit, I'm not looking that up anymore. It, it could be a deterrent. Yeah, there's so many viruses and things that are out there that, that, you know, spam bots and things that already do that to scare you a little bit. Yeah. And they do that to make you click or make you call. I mean, sure, we can go into malware and spamware all the time. Um, but I, I don't know much about this particular topic. Uh, but with that being said, I'm sure they're doing something to that extent, except they're now popping up on new IP addresses or they're masking their IP address. So now it's showing up in Turkey versus here. Sure. So it, they, I'm sure there's some sort of force going on to where they're taking that down, but it's like you said, it's, it's popping up elsewhere. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm, I think I'm gonna do like a segment where I'm gonna actually do internet searches on these and find out what pops up here and just show people exactly what happens. Uh, I, I guess used to, I used to do that with the back pages to show go places like uh, when I'd get talks on it, I would show look. This is how easy it is. Says, and then you take the phone number they provide and you run a search on that phone number and you'd see every ad that they would list on Backpage and where all the locations were. And you could literally track where these people were going and where they were bringing these girls. They were in Green Bay this day, Madison this day, Milwaukee this day, Chicago that day. And you'd be able oh to see. My. And you could see the pattern of exactly where and when they'd be. That's how we that used to do that. I mean, really, it boils down to, in my mind, again, this is blowing it up in my mind here, but. It just comes down to the demand. How do we stop people from thinking or wanting these type of things? You can't. It's unreal. You can't. You, you, you can't control people's thoughts. All you can do is catch people when their thoughts turn into action. That's the million dollar question. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's been so much science fiction on that. Like the, the, those movies about, hey, they know you're going to commit a crime and they oh, you Minority Report. Yeah, yeah, Minority Report. And it's a, it's an interesting thought process. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it couldn't ever be done in the real world or we would be in a very Orwellian society. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of us who try to live life by a decent moral code now are suddenly paying the price. So there's that as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to switch gears, and we are going to talk local sports, local sports figures. And in the news lately has been a local, when I say local, Wisconsin area, southeastern Wisconsin, wrestler turned MMA fighter, Ben Askren. And uh, Ben was a Bellator welterweight champion, and then he moved on to, uh, to one where he was a champion, and then he announced his retirement. And after he announces a retirement with the prodding of some big people like Joe Rogan putting him on his show, he finally got the opportunity to go to the big dance and got signed by the UFC. And uh, he was supposed to be fighting uh, Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler. And I guess that fight got postponed because Robbie's hurt, I guess, or something like that. Yeah, he blew out his ACL last year, so he's still, I think, recovered from that. But I think, have you watched some of Ben's stuff? Mm -hmm. Very interesting guy. Uh, I, I liken him to the good guy back in the old WWF days because you had the good guy and you always had the, the, the bad guy. And he's clean cut. He, he keeps the swearing to a reasonable level. You know where you know he's not saying fuck every other word, but he'll you know he'll throw he'll throw it in there. He's really good at trash talk. Mm -hmm. So good at trash talk that he 
basically said, you know, Dana White gave him the big middle finger for how long because he didn't, he didn't like him because he trash-talked him instead of realizing he could have made a lot of money on him. Apparently he's finally gotten over that with his very thin skin. Uh, but I really like what this guy's doing social media-wise. I like what he's doing to promote himself. Uh, I like him personally. He, he runs wrestling camps and has a wrestling club that's too, too far away for, for our market here, but my, my kids have been to his camps. Uh, him and his brother do, do a great job. I love the idea that a local guy who came from college wrestling, NCAA champion, two-time Hodge Trophy winner, for those of you that don't know what wrestling is, that's kind of like the um, Heisman of, of college wrestling. You, you, one athlete gets it per year in, in all of NCAA athletics. And now he's finally, I mean, this is, his ticket's gotten punched. Apparently it's gotten postponed for a couple of months. But uh, what do you think of that? Well, I got a, I got a few friends that went to school with him. Okay. He said uh, he was a pretty good guy, pretty nice guy. Checked him out then uh, social media, looked at his Facebook page, 48,000 followers. Yeah. So he's got the little blue check, he's verified. Yeah, he's verified, he's um, the real deal. But no, I think just how he carries himself and what he's been saying, uh, it's, 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 he, he's got the puppet master, he's got these moves that he's showing people how to do. Yeah. It's pretty neat, he's got a nice little following in, in terms of putting out content, it's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. We, um, and we'll, we'll have a link to one of his, uh, one of his websites uh, when, uh, in the video description here, a couple of his websites. So those of you who don't know who he is, you should really check the guy out. But I really, it, it's cool. I, I think he's probably the biggest contender to come out of Wisconsin in at least a very long time. We've had, we've had some big names come up. Who are some of the other big names? You, 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 that's your world too, your corner of the world, uh, especially the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we had Rothwell was was yeah. was fighting UFC fights for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've had a couple Back of other... February. James Bachmanek. He's uh, he's working playback in uh, Ben. You know, obviously Ben Askren. But then you got you know the Rufus Camp on Milwaukee. You got the Pettis brothers, and you've got. Um, Biggie Rhodes, and you got um, you got some young kids coming up that are going to be insane. Um, Cole Nelson, local boy out of Kenosha, he's a wrestler. He's undefeated, going in the state, and he's working his way. He wants to do MMA. Sure, the kids unbelievable. Sure, you know. So yeah, they're they're coming around. Um, we got some serious talent. You got some uh, world champion jujitsu guys out of Wisconsin as well. Uh, and, uh, again, Cole Nelson, I think he's an eight-time world champion. Um, for, for being a kid, the kid's yeah. 17 years old, you know, and so, yeah, Wisconsin's definitely become a hotbed for talent, um, and you got some great schools for MMA, I mean, academies, Askren's Academy, Rufus out of Milwaukee, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't get much bigger than that, you know, Rufus is the new Militich of right now, Militich Academy was the big one in the 90s and early 2000s in Iowa and Bettendorf under Pat, who's a friend of mine, and I can tell you that. Rufus now is just pick that up and he's like, let's do it. Do you think for now, what's going on with Askren is the big, is the biggest thing for Wisconsin and in, in the UFC? I mean, yeah. is, he's the biggest name, would yeah. you say so far? I right now he's the guy. Do you think he's the, Do you think he's going to end up being a champion? Yes. Okay. Robbie Lawler is. Do you think he'll retire? On, do, do you think that Askren will end up retiring undefeated by the time it's done? Do you think he'll, he'll get the belt and retire? Can get, no, I think he'll run. He'll run his course. You think he'll run his course? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, anyone can get knocked out at any point. Sure. And sure. we've seen that with Ronda Rousey. We've seen it with Anderson Silva. We've seen it with guys that are untouchable, and they lack John Jones. His own is his own biggest problem. Is John Jones himself? 
probably the greatest MMA Same commentator. thing with Connor. Did you see the tweet that Askren sent to Connor? Are you intoxicated? Yeah. It says, answer me honestly. Yeah. Are, are you intoxicated, intoxicated right now? You know, but um, Askren, you know, Robbie Lawler had probably the best fight in MMA history. It was Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald. It, it's unbelievable if you watch it. Yeah. Um, but, man, Askren's tough. He's Askren tough, and I think, he, I think he can avoid getting hit. He gets him down on the ground, and you just can't get him off you. Yeah, and that's his thing. And he wears you down. He wears you. And down. that was the that was the criticism of his style was that he's wrestling heavy, he's not striking heavy. Yeah, and that, like, oh, you know, it's, it's not watch. as exciting. Well, it's boring to watch if you don't know anything about a real fight. Watching. If you've never been in a fight in your life, yeah. it might be boring they, because yeah. the old John Wayne two guys squaring off that's that's crap. That's what the argument when uh, Gracie's came about, and you know when Hoist got in there in UFC one and two and just dominated everybody by grabbing him, taking him to the ground, choking him out. Well, it's boring to watch. You didn't punch anybody. No, he's putting people in the conscious. Right. You know, and yeah, you don't see what he's doing, but Askren's the same type of way. He gets yeah. on top, you get you on the ground. He can't move, and he gets the shit beat out. Yeah, and he's just gonna keep going until he can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And I remember his last Bellator fight. He was fighting this guy from Russia. I can't remember the guy's name. And all the hype was that he was gonna finally lose. And he just manhandled this guy and manhandled him and manhandled him. In the very end, he's hit, he's hitting him, and he's not full out drilling him because the guy is gassed. Yeah. And he's like boom, boom, boom. And he looked at the ref, and he's like boom, boom, boom. And he looked at the ref again, and you can see him like, hey, are you gonna are you gonna stop this fight? How many times do I have to keep hitting this little fool? He's just hitting the guy until yeah. the ref finally stopped it, and you could tell he almost didn't want to do it because he knew that at that point it was like Khabib is the same way. Khabib, uh, can't pronounce his last name, the Russian edge. Kick the shot, McGregor. Uh, same way. Yeah. He'll get on top of you, pound you, and, he look, and he's, if you listen to his fights, he's literally telling the guy, just quit. I don't want to keep hurting you. Just quit. Just quit. Yeah. Like, and they do. Or the ref stops him. It yeah. It's the exact same way. Yeah. And to me, that's exciting. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the guy who can go the distance and grind you down. Yeah. And it's a different sport than boxing or kickboxing or, you know, any other fighting. And that's what I love about MMA is you get to try every style against every style. And, uh, you know, except for maybe gouging eyeballs and all that. Yeah. Although the original Ultimate Fighting, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted, and there were no weight No eye gouging, no hair. Yeah, no eye gouging and uh, no brain shots. Oh, no, it actually, it was brain shots. Yeah, I don't think you can, you know, no more. Yeah, it's, yeah. Th there's some rules of civility to it. Do you think that this sport's here to stay? Yes. Do you think it's going to become more democratized, or do you think that, how long, how long do you think that the UFC as it stands, where one person gets to decide a league. I mean, it would be like me owning the NFL and deciding, I don't want, want you to pick, play for the Green Bay Packers. You're not going to be in my league. How I, long do you think that will continue? I think UFC made a huge, huge mistake with the sponsorship with Reebok because these guys are not getting the money they did. I've spoken to fighters in the UFC, and the guys that are making 10, 20, 30 grand a fight in sponsorship money are all making 2500 bucks. And there's other leagues with Bolivar and won championships and other ones that are saying, get all the sponsorship you want. Go ahead. So they've limited, they've limited the athletes to just Reebok? Yeah. They can only get there. There's a tiered sponsorship, and I can't give you the numbers, but there's a tiered sponsorship that to max out, and I think the max is 20 grand, you have to fight UFC like 20 times. Hmm. And so the, the idea of fighting 20 times in UFC, there's. So he's like, he's like the NCAA of fighting now. He's just keeping everything all Because, well, Reebok paid the UFC, I don't know how many billions to do it. Well, right. that money doesn't But it doesn't go to the athletes. Right. Right. So, so it's a big money grab for it. Yeah. yeah. How long can that sustain itself in, in a medium, in an entertainment medium that people want to consume so much of where where Dana White's the man and he just gets, just gets to decide who is a fighter and who isn't? You know what? Until these other leagues 
pull in these heavy hitters and these big names, then it'll stay that way. So right now, Ben Askren going to UFC, you said it yourself. Yeah. He just made the big show. Yeah. Right? Until Bellator and One and Ryzen out of Japan are considered the big But when he, when he goes and becomes a champion, you're like, he was a champion in Bellator six years before he even went in the NFC. Bellator's still considered here. Right, but what I'm saying is when he does win, and sure. he can say, I was this good six years ago, and you guys just pretended I wasn't good enough because I was Bellator. Does that elevate Bellator? It doesn't. No, it's what, a different competition. So, so what democratizes it? What makes it so that anybody can just get in and win? When does it become like boxing used to be? When does it become not controlled by any one person? Uh, good question. Um, Do you think well, it'll happen? I know. No, because you had promoters. You've had promoters forever running the show. There was a promoter in Iowa that ran the show that did major money, and then you had UFC come up. You know, the Gracies had it for a bit, and yep. then they sold it to. Uh, Dana White and his group, and now they've got it. And then they sold it to the Japanese investors. Right. They've got it now. I don't know. I think um, there's a lot of money involved, and yeah. until, as long as they're capitalizing on it, and as long as that they are considered the biggest show in the world, that's the way it's going to stay. And the problem is, is everybody now wants to get into the UFC because that's where all the um, the promotion is. But people are starting to realize that there are other leagues out there. Yeah, you know, and they are putting on money, and some of these other leagues are doing free shows, free pay, not even pay per views, are free. You can watch them anywhere, and they're starting to gain momentum. When do the champions? When do the champions start fighting against each other? Does that ever happen? No, but Never. what they will do, I mean, like Ben Askren coming over to the UFC was a trade. It was an interlude yeah. trade right. for Demetrius Johnson. Right. That's never happened before. So that does open that door for interleague fighting, Super Bowl. You know. Yeah, and it like, could yeah. be you World know, Series, Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it could be, it, but that's a ways away. I was a boxing fan growing up. Mm -hmm. Loved watching boxing. Yeah. I, I went to amateur fights all the time because my my, my grandfather sponsored an amateur boxing club, so I kind of got you know got into it. And I think that boxing became its own worst enemy when it went from being on television to pay per view. Yeah, and. I've always argued that pay-per-view is the worst way to grow following. That sponsored free content is where you're going to make the money. And I, I point to the Super Bowl or a World Heavyweight Championship fight. Who, who, who makes more money? Where, where do you, who tunes in more? Depends on the promoter. Who gets tuned into more? Overall, though, the Super Bowl is getting tuned oh, into yeah, more. Because you can put it on... Fox or NBC or CBS or whatever network, or ESPN, whatever network had the rights to it in any mm -hmm. given year from the history of it, you can put it on and watch it. You don't have to go find a bar that's carrying it or pay 90 bucks to carry it. And in the end, the sport makes more money because the sponsorships are worth way more than, than, than the money they're taking in. Well, then, yeah, you say the viewership. Now you have a wider market or wider audience. Wider audience. And then at that point, someone that may not have interest sees it because they're at a party or whatever, and now you've yeah. just gained that fan. Sure. Yeah. So now, UFC tried that. They were on network television a couple of times with some smaller fights. Uh, was it maybe four or five years ago? Ultimate and then, Fighter is what saved that company. Yeah. yeah. And then they kind of stopped, though. And I I wonder why their business model, what, what is it that makes them decide that their business model is more profitable? It's still on. On no, a pay-per-view format. Yeah. yeah. It, Oh, but overall, what makes them think their business model is more profitable in a, in a pay-per-view scenario or boxing with Mayweather? Why is that more profitable than putting it on network television and getting views and selling sponsorships and making more money that way?
I don't know. They just sold a company for four billion, so they must be doing something. Right. I yeah, I know. <laughs> just, I don't know. Maybe I'm greedy and I just want it for free. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe, I don't maybe know. that's what it is. I think that. I mean, they followed obviously the Don King way of putting it on pay per view. But Don King single handedly ruined boxing. He certainly did. So why would you ever follow anything he did? Because uh, there's a lot of zeros at the end of it. Oof. That's a good rebuttal there. I like that. That's real. <laughs> that's real. Think about it. Yeah, I mean these promoters, they're great and all you can give a shit. No. No. Yeah, everyone's a dollar sign. How much are you gonna make me? How much are you gonna make me? You know, uh Floyd May they they let Conor McGregor fight Floyd Mayweather knowing Floyd Mayweather was gonna kick the living shit out of him in oh. that ring. Of course he did. Yeah. Why? Because it took all those boxing fans and brought him over to the UFC. Yeah, but now why don't they bring Floyd Mayweather to the octagon with Conor McGregor and Because they can't pay him enough. Floyd Mayweather makes over $100 million a fight. They don't make $100 million a revenue fight. And the reason for that is because nobody owns boxing. Because Floyd Mayweather promotes himself. Not only that, nobody owns boxing. Correct. All right? They're, they're fighting for belts that are basically worthless. Right. But, it's but nobody, owns, nobody owns the sport. Correct. I think it is getting to the point where it's holding ultimate fighting, MMA, UFC, whatever you want to call it, all right? The sport is being held back at this point because it's owned by one person. Correct. Well, it's a monopoly. It's it's the how do you blow that? Method. How do you yeah. blow that up? It, they try with the different leagues. It's so you think it's just a matter of getting competitive enough to eventually beat their beat Look, their own You market. know what? Amazon owns a Christmas shopping. Seventy-five percent of all Christmas shopping is done on Amazon, right? Yep. Okay. They're too big. Yep. UFC is the same way. Should these fighters be unionizing? They're trying, but they're not being allowed. Anyone that rabble rouses and tries to get it going gets booted out of the UFC. Right, but should they be quietly doing it and just show up one day and be like, right here? They'll get replaced. All of them? Yeah. Then they can all go join a new league by themselves, and he's fucked because the best people in the industry just left. But there's no money in the other leagues. There's not enough. The UFC has enough financing that they will make whoever comes in there are, the next bigger there are stuff. enough billionaires out there you know mm-hmm. if mark cuban decided to grab a hold of it if but there, yeah. there's a crossover there too now now you got ufc guys going into the wwe and which is versa, such you know. crap yeah i mean sorry vince but, yeah, but your sports your sports not sport it sucks it's, it's illegitimate money. yeah it's, it's just too many zeros at the end and that's all it is if they can op- if they can monopolize it and they can put make a dollar off of it, they'll put anybody in there to fight. They don't care. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, speaking of zeros at the end, we're gonna talk next about influencer marketing. What I, I know that's all and I know you're gonna be gone for this segment and that's great. But I'm gonna put a trailer on real quick that is going to um, address uh, it, it, it's a it's a trailer for a show called American Meme, mm-hmm. uh, which is out on Netflix right now. And uh, then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about what people can do with their influence and is that here to stay and John I want to thank you for being a guest on the show because I can't stay in that segment and uh, so after John that's Joe right (laughs) we're going to watch this and I'll come back after it and we're going to talk about influencer marketing
Well, we're back one guest short. Uh, John had to, had to uh, duck out and get his kids. That's as real as it gets, guys. But uh, we got a chance to watch the trailer for the documentary, which uh, started airing on Netflix earlier this year, American Meme. I actually watched it for the first time a couple of nights ago, and I thought this is some very interesting content. And the best part about it is that it really kind of takes us from the original influencers, what I'd say, the original modern influencers, Paris Hilton, the Kardashians, people that were influencers before social media really made them influencers, and kind of carries them into the modern day influencer where anybody can be one. And I thought that that was, was it was interesting to watch. It was interesting to watch how these people have decided to live their lives for doing this, and as a result, they have no lives anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same thing that all celebrities face where suddenly you live your life with cameras in your face everywhere you go. And it's a double-edged sword because you put yourself out there over and over and over again, somebody's gonna like you. I mean, obviously, I must subscribe to that theory or I wouldn't be doing Get Real, I wouldn't be doing Rolling with Ralphie, I wouldn't be doing restaurant reviews on video. So obviously I believe in, in the power of using video and more importantly, I believe in the power of giving good creative content because I'm a real estate agent, but if you'll notice, we, we, we don't talk about real estate here, mm-hmm. really. I mean, we will, but we're going to talk about on a global level. Uh, when, I, when I say global, I mean the whole world, but on a level of the real estate industry as a whole, I, I don't want to sit here and plug my, my real estate business because what I want is to entertain and inform people. And then, by the way, I sell real estate for a living. If you think I'm an expert on this stuff, I'm not. You should see what I am an expert on. Mm-hmm. And I think that earning credibility that way is a great thing to do. And so for me, if this show doesn't blow up into you know, 300,000 subscriptions or a million subscriptions, and I'm not getting a million views every episode, it doesn't matter. Because what matters to me is reaching out to my local community and influencing my local community. And so you have these, and if it blows up beyond that, believe me, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm going to be happy. Right. But I'm happy with the fact that I'm putting out good content for people that already know and like me right now and just growing that organically and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came from just meeting different people, getting introduced to different ideas. And I realized I've been asleep for a long time. But not only have I been asleep for a long time, I think that most adults my age and older have been asleep. I talked to a woman who was on the Hollywood scene for years. In fact, she's going to be a guest on my show next week, and I'm not ready to unveil that yet. But she's been in major Hollywood productions. She's been involved in Broadway theater. She's been involved in experimental theater in Chicago. She's been an indie filmmaker. And this entire thing that's happened has kind of happened without her even noticing when I started explaining to her that this is the most YouTube, social media is the most democratized venue for entertainment that there's ever been. You can be a musician, you can be an actor, you can be a filmmaker, you can be a documentarian, you can just be some silly bastard who people like and put that out there and if people like your content, you're gonna make a living. If people don't, you're not. But there's not a producer standing in the way. There's not a production company. There's no there's no blacklist on YouTube. And because people still do get blacklisted. And if you've been living in that bubble of any industry where you're not looking, it, it's easy to have had this happen underneath your nose and you didn't even notice. I have relatives a few years older than me who still have flip phones, who don't mm-hmm. really do any of that. I, I've got a cousin who lives in Arizona who just says, I'm cheap, I don't need all that. And doesn't even realize what's, you know, what's happened. And then we watch this and you see that, you know, it used to be only a Paris Hilton 
would make it big or a Kardashian because you had connections to people with a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But now they're collaborating with simple, ordinary guys like like that guy we saw on there uh, who goes by the name of the Fat Jew. I <laughs> feel like dirty just saying that a lot, like I'm like I'm being an anti-Semite, but that's what he calls himself, and he's he's funny. He's ridiculous. And, you know they're doing this they're doing this collaboration videos and selling products together, and you, you there was a time when you know that wouldn't happen. She would have looked down her nose at somebody like that. So you're an internet marketing expert. Mm-hmm. You've become just by virtue of uh, osmosis a social media expert by managing mm-hmm. the uh, tr- physical training of and, and being a friend and mentor to Tristan Jass. Mm-hmm. Where do you think this is going? Is this really is this here to stay? The, the, this influencer marketing and how far how far can this go? And how micro can it get? And how macro can it get? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Go. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to continue to grow and it's going to get uh, exponentially bigger as we go on. Uh, what you see is you see like more of a authenticity with the with the influencers. You know, we mentioned the Paris Hiltons and the Kardashians, but um, from everything I've seen with them, I don't feel like I connect, and I, I don't know how many people connect with that. Um, I don't want to call it plastic world, but it's a different world they live in. Sure. Um, whereas your influencers are real people, and the, and the engagement's there too. So you'll see with Tristan. Um, he'll be responding in the comments uh, to people, just any anybody. You know, somebody says something funny, he'll re- he'll respond. Uh, right. He'll respond to messages, direct messages. I don't know how much the Kardashians and the the Hiltons are doing that. I don't know how much they're engaging, but that's been one of the things I've seen is that hit, they talk about the engagement. You know, we go to places, we go to charity events and stuff like that. People talk about you know how open and and real uh, Tristan is. He's not you know. A, a, a kid who's let the fame kind of get to his head, and he's only doing what he wants to do. He still takes time out of it, out of his day to connect well, well, with. Well, that he's, he's throwing so. some money around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, in Walmart. Well, <laughs> gotta be careful with that. Um, yeah, because that could be dangerous. But yeah, um, he does everything. You know, with the with it, everything he does has a has a positive underlying tone, and um, people connect with it. People are starting to connect with it, and it's uh, uh yeah, it's it's it's. Getting that consumer to connect with whatever product's being pushed by whatever influencer is huge because, you know, they they, they get more of a, almost like an honest review. You know, we talked about the the first time we talked about the kid who's making twenty two million, um, toy reviewing toys, reviewing yeah. toys. But there's there, there's a level of realness that people want. You know, they they'd they rather get a real have, reaction from a real boy exactly, putting it up. Exactly. You can't fake that. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 you can you can pay them. You know, you can you can persuade them with money to say certain things. But when it comes down to it, if you have a faulty product, that influencer isn't going to put their reputation on the line to say this is a great product if they know truly it's it's faulty. You know, the, you're getting more of that honesty, well, which is which I, is huge. I can say on a micro, micro, micro of a micro level mm-hmm. that you know, I started doing these 262 Eats videos in, just, just in Kenosha right now where I'm doing restaurant reviews. And someone says, so what, do you fancy yourself some, some sort of critic? I said, no, actually I'm not a critic. I'm a reviewer mm-hmm. because... If I don't have something good to say about a place, I'm just going to skip it. Yep. But I am, I've am i been to a couple of places where I'm like, I, I couldn't, in all honesty, go and bring my crew out there and talk about how great the food is here because it just isn't. Mm-hmm. And I know that... It well, it's your reputation It's now. my brand now. It's my reputation. Right. You know, I go out to eat in town and people bring it up already. And I've only done 10 episodes and I'm only six months in. And I plan on, on doing it for a long time because I enjoy the hell out of it. But... 
I think that people do see that. Like, here's a real guy from my town mm -hmm. talking about something that that's that's micro that that's working. But five to ten thousand people every single week mm -hmm. on Facebook watching these when when they come out when we stream them live. You, you do a lot of internet marketing, and I know that one of your big things was helping people rank on Google mm -hmm. organically. And now you're seeing this this trend is changing. The earth's moving probably under your feet as we speak. That <laughs> video content is becoming the the new everything. How are you adjusting in, in, in your business yeah. to that? Because I, I imagine it's orthodoxy is changing uh, daily, and that's hard even for people that are in the tech industry to, to grasp. Yeah, I mean, really, it, it stems back to, you know, people want to be on Google. Everybody's asking their phone, okay, where do I go to eat tonight? Your video starts showing up. That's great. Right. What you have to start doing, I mean, let's get back to the question here. The uh, where is influencer marketing going? Right. Um, first, it was reality TV, and not as many people are watching TV. Now we have social media and the internet, and let's face it, those two things are growing yet. Yeah. They're still growing, so I think the influencer marketing will continue to grow. So now getting ranked on Google, specifically a website or a piece of content, you have to consider, and this is just my opinion, but I really think Google is taking um, more weight into user verified traffic. Yes. So when someone logs into Facebook, goes onto YouTube, goes onto Instagram, and they click that link and it goes to a website or it goes to your, uh, your, your YouTube video, wherever that link goes, yeah. If that is user verified traffic, someone's actually logged into maybe even multiple platforms. Yeah. Now you're getting more weight on that video, on that piece of content that you put out. And of course, Google sees everything. So they're going to, in my opinion, weight that a little higher. So now you have the opportunity to have your video in front instead of somebody else's video or in front of somebody else's website even. Um, so in terms of um, evolving with that, we just stress, get on social media. If you're a business, or an individual or a brand of any sort, you have to be on social media. It's it's where the, the conversations are happening. I can't believe how camera shot people are still. Oh yeah. Uh, the guests that I'm having next week's like, well, the lighting has to be perfect and my makeup has to be just right. I'm like, you don't you don't get it. This is this is not that. People don't even want necessarily for your makeup to be perfect. Come in with a backwards baseball cap on and just talk about your life and people will respond way more kindly than the audiences you're used to that are the Hollywood audiences who want to put everybody down. Yeah, and, and, and really to talk to that, when you set something up like this with, you know, the get real. Yeah, like our sound, by the way, you're going to notice we have sound now. Our sound sucks for the first <laughs> half of this. And uh, I did a lot of swearing and kicking and screaming when we were watching that video. And uh, <laughs> then we had to kick the table over. We had to put it back up. I'm, I'm kidding. But it's... I think people want the authenticity. Well, and they want to see, again, this is my opinion just from being in the marketplace a little bit, uh, what they want to see is the behind the scenes too. Sure. You know, they get the, that shot of, you know, your crew filming or how did they do this or, you know, geez, you know, look at how it's evolved. How did they make that, you know, something change in the room? Yeah. Um, I, I, got, I tried, this is, a, this is another fail this week. I put this green screen up. I thought it was going to be smooth and so we got light shining through it. And uh, oh, we got GoPros falling. Make sure you get that GoPro falling in the foot here. This is Ray here. Hey, say hi, Ray. Yeah. Ray and Joel, they're helping. The microphone's the falling off. Microphones are falling off. Sound is, is is sucking here and there because you know we don't have a Hollywood production company behind us. We have oh, now it's just on me because it's all about me, right? Um, <laughs> my big ego got in the way there for a second. But uh, hey, when you got short legs, you have to have a big ego. <laughs> But I, I, people, I honestly think people appreciate 
that and you're showing people as you're doing this mm -hmm. you can do it too yeah and that's where you come back to mm -hmm. people identifying you can't identify with a kardashian necessarily mm -hmm. you can't necessarily identify with paris hilton but you can identify with this fat jew guy you know you can identify with uh i don't know maybe some people can identify with a slut whisperer character who is <laughs> in there I, I certainly can't uh i can't believe that they I got famous, but if guys go watch go watch the documentary. I mean, there's a, there's this part in there, and we just saw the trailer where the guy really gets real, and he's like almost bawling on the screen about how I just want a real life and a real relationship, and people just expect me to be this character. And that's okay. that's a note that's that a I have. Sign. Again, that's a note that I have. Uh, you know, it started with reality shows, really. Yeah. And you, you put on your reality, you know, TV show, and it, it airs. It's yep. done. Yep. Then it turns off, and now you, you, you've moved that into social media. You've moved it into an internet environment. That's never off. Even yep. if you turn off say, I'm done with Instagram, done. Yep. There's someone else that's not, and, and they're going to get you, you. Yeah. everything. I mean, it talks, you know, we, we go into fame and you know, all that good stuff then. And it's... it's Is reality means, TV dead on television because it's, it's more real on, on uh, social media? I couldn't tell you. I don't watch TV too much. <laughs> I think all so all, all of TV is is dying, you know. Sure. And, and then shift, shifting you over know, to YouTube. Ten years ago, we were talking about mostly we were talking about Dog the Bounty Hunter. We were talking about yeah. Duck Dynasty, yeah. right? We were talking about who else was who else was real, right? The Osbournes, mm, you know, behind yeah, you got the behind the scenes. We had Keeping Up with the Kardashians. We're not you don't hear we're not talking about those things anymore. And I don't think I don't feel and maybe it's because I'm watching less and less television, but I don't feel like they've been replaced. With new television content, well, I think they've been replaced with internet. Content. The environment, I think, the environment and where that stuff is being viewed now, people want to see that. And, and again, there is demand for those reality shows. So if you can feed your demand twenty four seven versus waiting for that show or DVRing it or yeah. Netflixing, I mean, you you can now see that anytime you want on the internet mm -hmm. through yeah. YouTube through any social media network. So uh, I, I wonder, like you know, Man Cow, big on the radio. Last year, the radio station that he was on got sold to a, uh, a Christian rock station off the air. And I'm thinking, this guy's going to resurface with a podcast or a YouTube show or something. He hasn't. And I wonder, is it because he's just done? Or is it because even people like that who used to be super forward thinkers and, and jump on it have, have missed the fact that this happened right underneath them and they're still looking down their nose on it like that's not as credible as radio, it's not as credible as TV, it's not as credible as as Hollywood. But while the people inside are poo-pooing it, meanwhile it's growing without them even noticing. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's happening? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. In terms of the man cow thing, I'm not sure. I, I, I just use, I don't mean him per se. Yeah. But I mean, in general, are people like that that are that men have been big stars and now are reluctant to do it on social media. Do you think it's old mentality versus new becoming institutionalized? Because I, even I, the renegade becomes institutionalized over time. To the I, I don't know. I mean, there's some guys that yeah, they don't want to break or sell out or whatever the case may be. I, yeah. I don't know. I think it comes down to the individual. I mean, Gary Meyer went off the air. Now he does podcasts and such. Yeah, I, I really like Gary. Um, but you know, Joe Rogan is a huge example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's bigger on the internet than he was on Fear Factor. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, by far, absolutely, and more real. And I guess it depends on how, you know, how that uh, again that fame or notoriety or popularity or influencer status affects each person. Is worldwide fame gone? Is it now you're only going to be famous to a audience? I wouldn't say worldwide fame's gone. No. Do you no. think that it's going to be diminished? 
when there were three networks and you were famous, you were famous to everybody. And now, for and I, I'm going to use Tristan yeah. as an example. He's famous, but he's only famous to people who are in that arena. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more tailored now. I, I, like you say, with the, with the specific audience. We get to pick our heroes based on yeah. what our interests are. And right. I don't think that was the case. So there's some really good things about that. But I think notoriety has definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah, you can get famous for some really weird stuff mm-hmm. nowadays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one thing with content, and and you know, if you're going to be doing some you know vlogs or, or you know videos, uh, you mentioned the gal that might be coming in next week. Uh, it needs everything perfect. Yeah. You know, it, it, it whether it's the way that it's filmed or it's the um, the content you're putting out. Yeah. The, the number one roadblock we see with a lot of people is well, people aren't going to like it. Ah, people, nobody's going to care about this. And it's amazing what people actually care about or actually have interest in or just want to see more of. And so many things, again, being in a small business environment, so many things are halted immediately because you you halt them yourselves on what you think is going to be perceived sure. or how it's going to be you know received. Yeah. So, um, yeah, content right now is, especially video content. Content is king. And, oh, yes, and that's content not going anywhere. King. That's I, I have it in my notes. We were going to talk about influencer marketing, but it comes down to the content, and you may think content is your content might be average or okay yeah. to someone else they might love it and they're now a subscriber and now they share it and who knows what how, happens. how cool do you have to be before you start to try to influencer marketing because i think if you jump the gun on it you're gonna blow it would you say that's the case i i think just jumping in at any point you're going to receive the following for that particular market so you got to just start moving on it so and you start it, moving on pushing products or do, do, yes or do you think people's here's my biggest fear mm-hmm. If you start and you start to give some good engaging content and all of a sudden you start pushing stuff because you're getting paid to, hmm. the authenticity loses. Oh, right. You, know, right. you start losing on authenticity. So how do you how do you balance that? Uh, I, I think Zuckerberg, or at least the guy that played Zuckerberg, I don't know if they're Zuckerberg's real words or not, but in the movie The Social Network, mm-hmm. when, um, who's the guy that did Napster that was pushing him? Oh, man. Sean something, right? Uh, yeah, it was played by Timberlake. I remember that. Yeah, he was pushing Sean to monetize Penn. Facebook, and mm-hmm. he kept saying, "I no, it's not cool enough yet. That's stuck in my head. Yeah. Even as I go and I do my, my restaurant videos and as I do this stuff, I'm not pushing real estate on people. Right. I'm not pushing product on people because it's not cool enough yet. You know, I, I really... I see what you're saying. I, I haven't I didn't, earned the okay. right to ask the audience to buy or Correct, do or yeah. say anything yet. Because I'm just some guy with a video camera right now. Right. When does that change? At what point are you big enough that you say, oh, okay, I've got an impressive following. I should probably do something besides just talk about my content with it. And how do you do it and stay authentic? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, you, some people say, yeah, go ahead with just subtle releases and see if you can, again, capture uh, a little bit of traffic from maybe your product or service that you want to market. Uh, the other side, like I mentioned before, just jump right in. Um, and now I say jump right in with with content. You know, I'm not saying you hit everybody with a product or service immediately. You know, you want to start with your content, and as you said, get you know, have some sort of following behind you before you start really promoting. But um, no, that's a good question. I mean, that- how, do company, how do companies leverage mid-level influencers? Now, you you, you can sell companies. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a mom and pop restaurant or operation, or maybe you got a guy that's got a three muffler shops. You know, you you're mid-level entrepreneur owns their own business. Mm-hmm. They've, they they've never heard of influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you how do you get them and 
influencers that are at that level that are affordable to them to engage and actually turn it into a positive for them right now? Is that is that is that doable? Is that still just too? I think it starts with influencers, especially the people, local influencers. Yeah, it starts with a relationship. Sure, it starts with a conversation, going in, talking, maybe giving them, uh, you know, like you're doing with the eats thing, you know, sure. free. Free marketing, you know. Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this for me. I want to get better at this video shoot. But guess what? You know, I want to. I want to get out there and yeah. I want to show people about your you restaurant. Want, in the you meantime, want to use your as your guinea pig. Right. And, the, and, and the the flip side is that you get some additional exposure about a place that I actually like. And and, and that's really where where, where, you right. know, where where I've been going with it now. So I think on a business standpoint, it starts with that relationship. You have to talk to someone. You have to get that conversation going yeah. and at least strike it up. Even if it's just a hey, we're out here. We we'd like to talk with you. Yeah. About what? Come on in. We'll talk. Yeah. I mean, just get something going. So I think that's the first step. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, that's anything. Anytime you have a relationship, you can do anything. Then yeah. now it's just about negotiation. Yeah. So uh, we talked about the whole the serious subject of trafficking earlier, mm -hmm. and then we talked about your kids on the internet. And now we're talking about influencer marketing and kids becoming millionaires because they're putting themselves out there. And it's I, I think as it. As a parent talking to other parents, I can say that if you have a kid with a talent I, and you're worried about all that, I can understand you being scared to death to let your kid do that. And I can understand you being a completely doubting Thomas when your kid says, I can go be a YouTube star and make a lot of money. But yet, I've seen it happen firsthand here with, with, with kids that I, that, that I know and like. How does a parent manage a kid's social media I don't want to call it career, yeah. but how does a parent walk that line when you have a kid and you know your kid has a talent? Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks your kid has a talent, don't get me wrong. Hopefully, if you don't <laughs> think your kid has a talent, you're probably a shitty parent. <laughs> but now you have a kid that you know really has some, some magic sauce, and you want to introduce them to the world, but you don't want the world to swallow your kid up and spit them out, and you don't want them to end up on drugs, and you don't want to end up getting kidnapped in traffic. How do you... What would I know you don't have kids yet, right, right? But have you given that thought? I mean, is that something you yeah. think about because you're managing young athletes? All yeah, time? and that, and and you're going to see the increase in in social media managers or, or or coaches, and and I know that it's already become a thing for e gamers, the like the kids that play video games and are trying to make it big. They're starting to hire coaches and and advisors and mentors to kind of bring them through the process because it is scary at first for anybody to start social media at, at any age to put anything on the internet. Yeah. Um, there is an initial fear, but I think it's more of a fear of something that's different and you're not used to it. Once you get once you get used to it, you can get a you can get into a good groove. But as far as a young kid, yeah, I've talked to some of my younger athletes and said, "Hey, do you, have you considered starting a YouTube?" Oh, I want to start a YouTube, but my mom or my dad doesn't want me to start a YouTube. Sure. So there's there, there's so that's that. educating the parents on it. Educating the parents. You so know that, your yeah, kid it's like it's like courses. Anyway. You know, we talk about education. You know, needing to be reformed a little bit. But yeah, it goes back to that. You know. Are we going to start putting social media classes into, you know, elementary schools, junior high schools, uh, high schools, and stuff like that? You, you know, I think we really should. You know, if that. Yes. If, I if think what, we should be teaching kids from early on do's and don'ts yep. for your safety. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like when you become a real estate agent, or an insurance agent, or maybe even you know a, a doctor. You your beginning classes are all about the dangers of the job and the things that can cause damage to people's lives, the things that can cause you know in real estate the things that you can lose your license for, the things that will get you sent to jail. And it's like let's talk about all this first. Then we can talk about tactics and strategies and institutionalizing the process to a point, educating on the process. I think is a good place to go. 
and you're right, the schools aren't doing nearly enough on it. I was looking for interns from the high schools. Do you realize out of the three public high schools, only one of them has a video program? Yeah. Hmm. Only Indian Trail has a, a working with video class, a TV class, or whatever you want to call it. Well, hell, in the 1980s, when I went to Bradford High School, I took TV1 and TV2. It was super beta and VHS editing, <laughs> and uh, it was very primitive. But we had a studio. We had a control room. We, we, we made content back then. Mm-hmm. And you have kids not having access to making content in a safe setting like that yet. And I think that it needs, I think that that's, if there was an initiative that I was going to get on education-wise and, and, and raise money for, it'd be like getting kids to understand how, how to do that, how, how to market yourself as an individual, how to showcase a talent that you have because everybody has one. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a, I think that's a valuable skill for kids that are interested in it. Now, some mm-hmm. people are, are never going to be interested in that. But let's face it, if you want to be a star, you don't have to wait for your shit to come in. You, you're a singer. You start singing. Start putting out content. Yeah, you have to be ready when, the, when the opportunity does come. You know, your brand has to be ready at any time, regardless of the age. If you're a kid reviewing toys, or you're an adult that already has a skill, you know, that's already been, you know, chiseled away. You have to be ready because you never know when that opportunity is going to come. You need a little bit of luck, you know, but yeah. you you need to be ready. And and, and the more content you put out, the better your chances. It's like buying more lottery tickets. Right. You and know. and done is better than perfect. You know, get yeah. it out there because people want it to look a certain way. And I think that's become partly because of how you know Hollywood portrayed you know marketing and everything that we still have that in the in the back of our minds because we grew up with that. But people want that that cut down that that real. Um, I use Chief Keef as a, as an example. He's a rapper from Chicago, and he got it big because his home uh, rap videos weren't ultra produced they weren't you know a ton of edit it was like you were actually in the house with them yeah. and it was you know the chaos, the chaos that they deal with and people like that authenticity they like that that honesty they like feeling like they're a part of it um, just getting to the getting to that point you know is, is really you could just yeah. take a camera out and start shooting you know and, and that, I'll agree I mean I'm like I mentioned I'm reading the book uh, finish and you know done is much more powerful than perfect mm-hmm. yes. I mean, getting something done than keep I mean I've, I've had my own struggles with that I think we, all yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. we just had that struggle with my website I mean I'm finally I was, I was like fuck it let's go live I yeah. mean there's still things that I know aren't perfect on it but let's get it out there yeah, you know, I just built a directory of every single restaurant in the area. Why would I not get it out there? And throwing up, yep, absolutely. Optimized. Absolutely. And it's it's a good product. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, and I Working with your vision, always tough. <laughs> well, trying to take all those visions. Hey, Ray over here, I, I tried to explain it, Ray how I wanted my opening credits. Yeah. And he looked at me like I was just nuts. <laughs> and then, But that's how it works out. It, you it have is. to. And, and last week, here we are, episode one. Get real, and I put all over the internet. Going live Monday, 9 p.m. Let's rock, right? And I'm just like pumped. And all of a sudden, it's 9:10, and we're sitting in here, and I'm like, "Wow, what is going on?" And then he's like, "Well, I can do it." I'm like, "Great, let me see the opening." And it's it's a cold open. I'm like, "No, that's not what I want." I, you know what? We already missed the deadline. Let's fucking get it right. And so we, I think Ray probably worked about four in the morning. In fact, I know he did. He's still <laughs> sleepy from Monday, from, from Monday night. And we got it out on Tuesday. And I was like, and I know that, and now in my mind, like, I said I'm going to freaking do something. To me, that's that's a lot. When you say something, you're going to do something and make something happen, you, you, you got it. 
And that's the part that, yeah. that my partner Ben said to me is so what? So all 10 people that give a shit know this yearly. Yeah. He goes, the other mil- you know, billions of people in the world will never even know that that happened when you just keep putting content out there. I'm like, wow, you're right. You're right. It's like a fresh Hey, Benny. How you doing, Every Benny? Ben, Ben, shout out to Ben. I'll tell you what, that guy, Ben Gentile, putting up with my shit every week. <laughs> Here I am doing all this creative content. He said, what, we're going to sell some houses again. That's what I asked, too. You know, and I, yeah, when you have time, and it's it's a huge, comprehensive strategy that it, once you get your arms around it and just start doing it, yeah. it's never going to, you know, I've been dreaming about it for, for five years and yeah. not doing it. And finally, I said, the hell with it. I'm going to put my balls on the line because I believe in this. Yep. And I know that there's going to be some short-term pain with that because I'm not optimizing my time for right now money. I'm optimizing my time for long-term content that I have a yeah. passion and you, for. And you make a good point. You know, you get some content out, whether it's perfect or not, no big deal. But it's right. out and it hits your small following right now. Right. Well, it, it will get yeah. better then. Yeah. Yeah. And then your following, of course, should increase. Sure. And now you're not making the mistakes that you made earlier. Right. To a large following, you, yeah. know, you screw up with ten people, twenty people, hundred people, two thousand people. Now, yes. yeah, now you got a hundred thousand, and you've done it a hundred thousand times. Right, big deal. And, you know, and even if it does screw up, you just get on the horse again. And, and if anybody thinks that that's not true, go watch, go look up episode one, Wine Library, and watch Gary Vaynerchuk with a little webcam talking, and I mean, very low budget, very low tech, and then go watch a, go watch last week's. Um, yeah. Ask Gary Vee. Oh, right. And compare the two and go, wow. Now, don't get me wrong, that I knew I couldn't start out that primitive because the technology is better. There's no excuse for it now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I can't, I, but I'm okay with it being the first episode of Get Real with Ralph. In today's day, episode one, and now we're episode two, and hopefully we're a little better, minus the really complete jacked up sound for the first <laughs> 20 minutes. And uh, it, yeah, it's just getting better at this. And now I, I feel like, have you ever seen The Secret? Mm-mm. Have you ever read Think and Grow Rich? No. We're going to come back and talk about those. <laughs> for real. No. Uh, because I think they're two of the most important pieces of literature ever written for somebody who wants to make it in the world. Oh. Uh, and I, I, it's a great way to end this. If you have not read either of those books, if you've not seen the movie The Secret, you can find it for free on the internet. But it talks about thoughts for things and you are what you think about. And all of it. All of these things that I've learned in my whole life, I felt like one day I woke up and was like, everything I've done has been practiced for this. Mm. And here we are. And as soon as you realize it and that light bulb goes off, you feel this intense desire to share it with other people because it'll help them. Mm-hmm. And here's what you get me go share it. Hey, I've got a great idea. What do you want? What do you sell me? That's what you get right away. That's what everybody's you know, trained what's for. Your, what's your angle? What do you? That's what everybody's trained for. Right. Someone said to me the other day, Ralph, you can sell ice to the Eskimos, and I was insulted. And I said, you don't understand. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fucking do that. And so I talked with Pat, who was my guest, who was a writer. I said, I, I want to start working on a book. And I'm going to call the book, Never Sell Ice to Eskimos, An Ethical Guide to Sales Success. If somebody steals the idea, it's documented, it's here first. So I already started my notes and my first revision of it. I already know that's what it is. But it's change, that's where the world is going is people mm-hmm. don't want to be sold to. Oh, absolutely. They want to, they're okay right. with being influenced. Right. But don't you dare just rope somebody in and try and like hook them in. And, and they'd rather be, them. they'd even rather be told on what to do. Hey, uh, here's the price. This is what you get. Oh, okay. Boom. Done. Yeah. They'd rather be told. And if you're selling them, they, they sense that. Yeah. Oh, God. I have a salesperson come in here and try and sell me on some, some, some print that he was doing. And when he walked out, I made a video about 
every mistake that he made trying to sell me. Mm. And I, I, I got that going out there because I, you know, I do sales training. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing about influencer marketing. That's the thing about producing content is, and what people don't get is whatever it is you do, you just do that. But you let people get a sneak peek in your world because people are genuinely interested in how the other half lives. Yep. And with that, we're all out of time. Come back tomorrow and watch Rolling with Ralphie. Come back Wednesday, watch 262 Eats. Please make sure that you come to our YouTube channel if you're watching this embedded and subscribe. Hit the little bell so you get all the new ones when they, when they come out. And come back next week when we do episode three of Get Real with Ralph. I hope you're enjoying the show as much as uh, I'm enjoying making it. I think my, my guests are enjoying it. Had some fun. And uh, we're going to have a lot more fun as we go along. And that's it for Get Real with Ralph this week.